Wow. Four or five weeks ago, things didn't quite seem like they do today. In a moment's time, things just changed so dramatically. It's it's so so hard to imagine. I first would say thank you for uh, your outpouring of love for Christy and my family and myself. Uh, Really appreciate calls, phone text, uh, cards, those type things that are still coming in. And so thank you. Uh, I could not possibly imagine how difficult it would be. but God is faithful, and uh, things get easier every day, and so thank you for that. I want to say uh, some of the things about uh, the things that are going on at church is we have decided to, to continue to meet here. Uh, we don't do it with uh, the idea that, you know, that we want to be flippant, that we think that it's not a big deal because it is. We also think this is very important, just like everything else we go around and we need to go to the grocery store, and we, need, we, we go to places that we need to do. We think this is important. As we put more measures in place, including, you know, making sure and really asking that everyone wear a mask, also ensuring that we do the distancing, uh, we've also done an evaluation to just to look and, and see at what point is too many people in here. And we think we've come close to that. You know, we were running uh, about 90% of our, our, our before COVID numbers in, so we're, we're concerned about that. We're working through that. And, and putting some contingency plans in place that, you know, if our attendance continues to grow, um, that we would have some other things in place. So we want you to know that we're serious about it and that we want to make sure that we, we maintain safety. The good news is, if you pay attention to the reports that are out there, the, the percentage of positive tests are going down, finally, which has been about a six- or eight-week climb. The percentage was just going higher. And so while there's still the, the hospitals are inundated, uh, the percentage of tests that are positive are going down, which means the hospital uh, hospitalizations will come down too. So we continue to, to do that. And we want to do our part in making sure that that is safe. And, you know, it's kind of amazing. And I talk about four weeks. So you think sometimes we're just talking about COVID. It's not just about COVID. I mean, there's so much that's occurred in the political world and in, in, in Washington, D.C., and it just seems like sometimes it's just so overwhelming that it's like, what, what am I to do? You know, sometimes you, just, you do just want to lay back in the bed and pull the sheets up and say, good night, can I just sleep a little while until all this passes over? That's the feeling that, that, that often that, that we get. And there are those warriors out there who say, oh, I'm going to get out there and make all the difference in, in the world, and, and that's, that's okay. But I, I want to talk about what, what Christians can do, and I have interrupted Josh's series just because I, I said, you know, I didn't get to preach my last sermon because I got sick with COVID myself, and, and, and I thought that was such an important message, and it even seems more important now that we've gone through some difficult days. But I think it's important for us Christians to remember some things. Because sometimes, when we start thinking about what we can do, it just seems like it's nothing. It seems like we're just a drop in the ocean, and and we really can never make a difference. We seem so insignificant, it just seems like, well, I'll just do nothing. I can't do much. I don't have much to give. I... I think those are statements that are made by Christians who would really love to serve God, who would really love to make a difference in some way, yet it just seems like we're just too small, we just can't make that big a difference. But I did read about this, this is interesting, I read about an elderly woman who had a hard time getting around and she couldn't even go to church anymore. 
But she wanted to do something that she would be able to serve God and serve Christ. And so, after praying about the matter, she decided that although she might not be capable of getting out of her house, she couldn't invite people to church, she couldn't do all those kind of things, she still had a gift and ability to play the piano. And so the next day, she placed an ad in the paper. Pianist will play hymns by the phone daily for those who are sick and downhearted. The service is free. The notice included the telephone number to dial, and she began answering her phone different. She just began saying, what hymn would you like to hear? And within a few months, she had played for several hundred depressed and lonely people. Many who would begin to tell them about her problems, and she would talk to God about them. And later she testified. She said, you know what? That was the most rewarding moments of my life. When she could do nothing, and when she couldn't go anywhere, and it couldn't see, but she found that the most rewarding moments of her life were doing what she could with what she had in any way that she could. The thing is, and it is all throughout Scripture, it is completely, it should be exciting to think about for a moment when just God uses the little things of life over and over and over again to share his love, to make a difference in the world. It almost always comes from the little and the insignificant. His grace and mercy is shown through things that it's impossible to actually think that we can make that kind of difference. And think about it, from the very beginning here, especially as we are, are coming out of the Advent season and the Christmas into Epiphany, think about this. When God was really to, ready to tell the whole world about his plan of salvation, when he's coming to earth, he chooses the small and the insignificant, he chooses the unimportant things to bring the good news that make a difference for all mankind. Just look at it, if you want to, in, in Luke chapter 2, and I know it seems like we're going back, but we are, and it's still relevant. But Luke chapter 2, and let's just begin in the fourth verse this morning, and why don't you stand with me as we read. Uh, 4 through 14, you've heard the story multiple times. Joseph went, out, went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to deliver, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now in the same con- now, there were in the same country shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will, wrap, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. We're really going to use that whole chapter, but it's okay. You, you know the story pretty well. Um, but it is pretty remarkable when you think about the God of all the universe, of all power and all creation, somehow finds a way in such an insignificant place, in an insignificant way to change the world. 
Because that is the first thing that is so significant here, if you take notes this morning, is that God uses little people over and over and over again. There were lots of people, just not, let's not be mistaken, in this time and era in Palestine, there were powerful people. There were very intelligent people. There were very wealthy people. It wasn't like somehow all of a sudden they came to fruition later in life. There were very, in, there were very significant, important people that existed in the world at this time that could have been used by God. And it makes sense to us from our worldly perspective to say, that's where he should have come. But God didn't choose that. God didn't start with some major this being that was there. He, he brings this news, these angels come to little people. And for those of you who don't think you're little this morning, you might just want to leave because this message is not for you. The shepherds were probably on the lowest of totem poles that you could possibly find. They were not only unimportant, they were hated. No one wanted to be with them. They stank. In fact, you would, lo- you would lose your societal status if you hung out with them. Not to mention you didn't want to smell them. It was just a bad group of people. That doesn't mean they're bad in how they behave. They just were societally, no one listens to them. They can't do anything but keep sheep. They're just not of value in this world that we have. No dignified person would be seen with them. Okay, I was wrong. I said if you thought you were important, then you wouldn't hear anything. No, you will. So I'm glad you didn't leave. You didn't let anybody know that you thought you were important. Well, other people that you don't want to be seen with? Are there people that you think stink? Are you people who you think they're just not very intelligent? And you know what? I don't even want to hear that. And it just... But are there people like that? God somehow thinks that they're important and he, and he uses them. And so why would we ever think that we could not? Mary is this teenage girl... And she has no significance whatsoever. She is not a queen. She has no status. She has no power. She has no voice. Um, she is, for the most part, unheard of. That, that no one knows. And no one would have ever known who this person was. Unless God had come in and midst, in the midst and said, you're important. Something significant is going to happen through you. Not because you're great. Not because you do great things. But just because you'll do some things. It was not a mighty king. It was not a ruler. It was not uh, anyone who had any significant power that would be the father or would be the earthly father of this Savior. He would be a carpenter. Someone that everyone needs, but you know what? The carpenter does the carpenter work. He doesn't help set the tone of all the entire world. Instead, he comes to this little carpenter who just does, just does work. He just does what he's supposed to do each and every day. He's not significant in any way. But you know the scriptures are full of it. Good things. 1 Corinthians 1. 
tells us, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are are. Those things when you feel like you can't do anything, that's a pretty good spot to be. You just can't stay there. I love the fact that God uses little people to do big things because it relieves me of the pressure of thinking that I've got to be something that I'm really not, that I somehow would define my success by others by saying, you're important, you're big, you, you get it all, you know what you're doing and all those. I don't have to worry about that because that's not who God is really after. God doesn't care whether I'm successful in the way the world views things. But when I know that I am small, that I am insignificant, it seems that God is able to best use me. It's all throughout Scripture. Uh, we just, we just, you know, time flies. We did a series not long ago, Goliath Must Fall, which I, I love the series. But think about this. Goliath is killed by a little boy. A little boy that doesn't have much going on. By a little boy with, with not many great tools. He's just going to stand up and do something for God. He's just something insignificant. He said, I can do something and I'll do it. The Midianites, if you remember, were killed by 300, were defeated by 300 men. Want Moses, a, a murderer, a person who had failed in life, had somehow would lead a great nation out by one single person who just said, hey, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do what you, what, you, what you, even though I don't want to do it, I'll do what you said, God. Naaman was sent to Elisha to be healed of leprosy by a little maid. A little boy was watching Jesus in the field one day. He just brought his lunch for himself. And all he did was bring a lunch for himself. And he offered his lunch that would not be enough for everybody. And Jesus would take that little thing and multiply it in such a way that everyone would be fed. Just because he was doing the little thing that God had called him to do. The truth is that God absolutely wants and can use you in the littlest of ways if you will just be faithful and obedient. And do something. I forget the date. About eight, ten of us met here to sing Christmas carols. We went around and sang to different places, and I it just it was haunting to me to think that we went and we sang, and two of those people that we sang to are no longer on this earth. Now, Josh will tell you he can't sing. And I stood next to him, he can't. <laughs> Did that matter? That we would go and they would minister and that we would make a difference? And the testimony that I heard from Kathleen who called me a couple days later and said one of the gentlemen had passed away and he, he sat there and he talked about, oh, you're so thankful, you've made my Christmas. I love this. He said, I wish you would come in and sing with me all night long. What a difference. That we might show the love of God and he would be closer and could see it. Just because someone who couldn't sing decided, let's go sing to some people and bring some Christmas joy. My mother wasn't planned to be seen. If I can make it through it. And Josh said, let's go sing to your mom. And I texted my mom and she said, I don't feel so good. I don't think it's a good idea. And I said, you know what? Let's go. 
So we just showed up, opened the door, and we didn't go in, and we sang. My mom recorded it. So insignificant. Just a moment of time. Made a difference. Made a difference. The little things that we do where we engage in people's life make a difference. I went to the funeral home to take care of the things that need to be taken care of. And when I walked in, I know the people well. They rushed to my side. And they began to tell me how sorry they were. And how much they thought of me and how much they loved me. And, and, and I've been in there with other people. They don't do that to everybody. And I thought to myself, the fact that they made me feel important helped me. That I was important, that I had made a difference in their life. And I wonder even ourselves, how often do you tell someone who's beside you how important they are to you? And the things that they do in your life, that they are important. And you really love them because of that. It's a shame that sometimes death has to bring that into place. That we might be able to move out of our comfort zone and do something. Because God has called us to do it. Not to sit and just wait and say, somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else will stand up. Somebody else with a stronger voice. Someone else who's more eloquent. Someone who's just got the power. It doesn't matter. You are called to do something. You can make a difference. And it is true today as, it, as much as it has ever been. And it's not just about death. It's, it's about everything. It's about politics when you have conversations with people. You know what? We're so desirous to win that sometimes we can't see where we need to make a difference in someone. That we feel we need to, because that's what we've learned to do, annihilate the opponent, to, disim, to just get them so that they're no longer even part of the... How about sometimes saying, I don't really understand what you're saying, but I, I, I respect you, and, I, and it can bring down walls and barriers. God uses little people and little things. God uses little places, too. Bethlehem is a place that no one wants to go and no one wants to be from and nothing ever will come out of that place. Bethlehem's the original home of David's family. It's a little town. It's the last place on earth. Or the, it's, yet, it's the place where our Lord first appeared on the earth. In the insignificant things and the places that you don't want to go, and sometimes you think that's something area that you know we just give that over like we're giving it to the devil or something. That place is gone. It's bad. It's something, and somehow we somehow think that we'll just just skip it. Let's don't even talk about it. Great things come out of little places. God can be great movements of God. I love the story of Jim Cimbala. If you know the the Brooklyn Tabernacle and how it comes from about twelve people, and all of a sudden the whole world is changed by it. Read the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. If you haven't. It comes from this little place that no one cares about. And a great movement of God comes in there. We're so worried about taking care of the good, the nice places. There's not much that ever comes out of those places. God uses the little places that no one really cares about. And God uses those places to do great works. David was found in the field and Gideon was behind the wine press. The evangelist Dwight L. Moody was won to Christ by a shoe salesman. 
So whatever you're doing, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a small group leader, if you're whatever you're doing, if you're doing nothing, there is an opportunity. And I would say to you, so what if you fail? So what if you think that you're not smart enough? So what if you think that I can't teach other people? There's no way. They have more knowledge than I do. I want you to know that those are the times that God moves. When God sees you being faithful and you're not saying, I'm so smart, I'm just here to tell you that God loves you. And I don't understand it, but let's go together along this line. And so I would encourage you, whatever what's going on in your life to get more deeply involved to speak out to other people even in your small group and share what you're learning and if you're not learning why are you there if you're not seeking what God has why are you there because God uses those moments. Luke 2, 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. It was not a stable. I mean, it was a stable. It wasn't a room. It was a manger. It wasn't a bed. God uses little things over and over and over again, and it changes the world over and over again, and he needs to do it again if we would just let him. This is where the Savior is born. This is the King of kings. This is the Lord of lords who really stoops out into lowliness that we might someday find riches that are untold. He could have been in a, born in a palace. We all know that. He could have been born in a hospital or great doctors and all those things, another place. But God chose the little things to bring his son. I love that it's all throughout Scripture. Even the, he uses the illustration that how much God loves and cares even for the little sparrows. How he knows the very numbers of hairs on your head, the little small things. If we want to be great in any sense, we have to be great in just the small things. And that is not being great, it's just being faithful and doing what God is calling us to do and not sitting back and pulling the covers over our head, which I have done in the last several weeks. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven and the shepherds said one to another, let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. Which really is the last point that I have is that God uses the little tasks. I guess Jesus could have preached a sermon on the mount every day of his life. I guess he could have. But the scriptures are full of many more activities that he was engaged in than just preaching to thousands. We're told of the woman at the well who wants a little drink of water. And he invests in that life and then he says, hey, I can give you some water that you'll never thirst again. In this one life. David has a gift and an ability to play a harp before the king. And it's that little task that he does to serve God that all many of us can also do. And we're thankful for the musicians and in days like today where we care for Ryan and Brittany. You think, well, we, we, we really appreciate what Ryan does. It's a, lot, it's a heavy burden to carry, isn't it? Every time. Little tasks often bring great results and huge blessings.
the shepherd's little task there of leaving the flock and, and going to see this Christ child has been told for thousands of years. It's the little things that God chooses to use when he was ready to send his son into the world. And I think it's the little things and the little people and the little places and the little task that God is calling us to now. If I'm not careful, I will let the world's way of thinking destroy me. And I will watch news channels. And I will look all over the internet and look for the articles and the reports that are most pleasing to me. And I'll focus on them and they can burn deep inside. And you know what is helpful in that situation? Not much. We are not called to conquer the world. We are called to be witnesses to God and to make a difference. And that looks and sounds a lot like telling people how important they are to you. It means telling them that you can see God in their life. It means telling them about how God works in your life. Not in the sense that, hey, I got all the answers. But I just want to tell you what God is doing for me. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to tell you, the little things, little people just like us, God wants to have a movement through. We have to stay humble, but serving in God. Karen, would you come? I want to close with singing a very familiar song. Well, I say it's familiar. You know, the older you get, you realize that not everything's familiar. It's familiar if you're old. But why don't you, uh, actually I think she has the words so, but three, 532 if you want to look at the words is little as much when God is in. Let's stand and this will dismiss us today. <clears throat> little as much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark the voice of God is calling to the harvest calling you. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, and he'll not forget his own. Little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. 
if you go in Jesus' name, are you laid aside from service, body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle, in the sacred place of prayer. Little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. When the conflict here has ended and our race on earth is run, He will say, if we are faithful, welcome home, my child, well done. Little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. If you go in Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and may his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed.